Hi guys, so ahead of today's episode, I just want to drop a quick note. Um, we recorded this one early because I was traveling last week for last Rams preseason game, I'm actually still on the road right now. So a couple of pretty significant stories have come out since then, one of which I'm sure a lot of you know. Uh, this week, news broke that the punter for the Buffalo Bills, Matt Ariza, had been accused along with two of his college teammates of gang raping a 17-year-old girl. Um, the Bills have said they didn't know about this when he was drafted. There was some knowledge, however, when they decided to cut their previous punter. It's still unclear to me what they knew, but since the civil suit became public, uh, they did decide to release Ariza. I mentioned this because we talk about the Bills in you know, pretty glib fashion, and yeah, I just wanted to let you know we weren't aware of that story at the time. Or um, the injury of Dallas Cowboys left tackle Tyron Smith, which is obviously pretty significant for the Cowboys' prospects this season. If you're listening to us talk about the Cowboys, you're wondering why that's not come up. It's because we recorded beforehand. I'm sure that's something I'll be talking about a lot in weeks to come. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks a route tree is the spot where he pees every morning during his morning walk. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Folks, it's time. Dan, read us in. It's a date I have circled on my calendar every August. The division previews are over. (laughs) Week one starting quarterbacks are being named. Rosters are trimmed down to 80. The dress rehearsals are right around the corner. Almost all of the season-long predictions have been cast. But the most important of all still remains. Just like its convoluted scoring system. Not that convoluted. And just like that, the team draft is back. Let's go. How about it? That's my goal junior. Here for his, is this the fourth team draft? This is our fourth career team draft. And because of what Dan just said, every year feels like the first time, Mina. I have no idea how you're going to try and rig the scoring system for yourself. Now that you're drunk with the power of being ESPN's chief decisions officer, I have no idea how you'll act with this. All right. Of the four, how many have I won? Three? So this is the fourth. I think you're two and one one. in the first three. (laughs) I can't even do that right <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan, first of all, thank you for that incredible intro. That's the most you've ever talked on the podcast. Uh, you really stepped up and met the moment. Can you remind our listeners of the incredibly um, normal and sophisticated scoring system? Sure can. One, that's not true. I've talked plenty in this podcast. Normally, when a guest has to leave, we do dinks and dunks, you and I. That's right. That's uh, two, you lost the first year and were so upset that you changed the scoring <laughs> system. And you've since gone 2-0. Thank the scoring you. system works as no. follows. You get one point for each. If For those that don't know, you guys are going to be drafting all of the 32 yes. teams in the NFL. This podcast, buckle up. It's folks. about records, by the way. We're doing <laughs> this is all but, based on. Uh, well, Dan, explain. Team yeah. records. You you will each get one point for each win your teams get mm-hmm, this season. Mm-hmm. Then you get five points for making the playoffs. If one of your teams make the playoffs, bonus five points. You get another five points for making the divisional round. You get ten more points. If a team makes the conference championship game, mm. you get 10 more points if your team makes the Super Bowl and you get five points if you have the Super Bowl winner. 
which is the Mike Golick Jr. clause because the Super Bowl winner being 15 yes. points was, I believe, what helped Wait, me the first year. And Mina saw that, circled it, and said it never was again. nonsense because it was completely overweighted for the playoffs and especially the Super Bowl. Um, and it like negated the fact that I crushed you with my actual team choices. I want the whole draft to matter. I don't want you to just win by picking the Super Bowl winner. Seems pretty obvious. Um, I have our picks from last year. Before we get to this year's draft, just uh, so I beat you by 264 points to 181, which is a smackdown. Um, and uh, let's see. Mm, okay, so I had the Rams and I picked them one, two, three, four, five. So that was pretty much the steal of the draft. Yeah, great value there. Um, and then I think I oh, actually, Gina, what do you steal oh, the draft? You had the Bengals <laughs> like your third to last pick and they made the super. Forgot about that, yeah. That's that was the deal of the draft. Sorry, you laid this out really clearly, and I just blew right past that. You actually bolded it to <laughs> emphasize that it was the steal of the draft too. Um, Gojo, you had the Chiefs and the Bills as your top two picks. Ravens have obviously underperformed because of all those injuries. Um, you had the Seahawks too high. You had the Cardinals later. That was a good pick. Uh, but yeah, for me, getting the Eagles and near the end, and the Bengals were pretty significant and then of course like i said oh also the packers and the titans who had a ton of wins so that helped too yep exactly and i it, it's a good reminder that usually i've just gone off vibes for this contest and i have to remember that all of these things matter that being most likely to win your division matters and i will eventually devolve back into vibes again as this goes along because i have the attention span of a gnat Did so i have this whole big board I was ready just to about go to ask, yeah how much preparation are do you actually do be honest. Uh, I mean, you know what? I, so this year, I actually decided to ring my own, rig my own podcast, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Um, I decided to rig my own podcast and do division previews just as a means of getting me prepared for this podcast. It had nothing wow. to do with content I thought the listeners would enjoy. It had everything to do with me bringing on experts to make sure that I chose this the right way. How did we choose who got to go first last time? Was it just, did I, have I let you go, on, go first every time or Dan, did we have some kind of system? I don't remember. I want to say you let Gojo go first every year. Okay. You know what? Let's do it again. Gojo, I'll let you go first. You've been slandering me and my scoring system. I don't care. I don't need the first overall pick. Please take it away. All right. Thank you very much, Mina. Despite your slights and how you want to make it seem like this is a negative, I will choose to accept this gift, gift horse without looking it in the mouth. With the first pick in the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny 2022 team draft, Team Mike Golick Jr. will be selecting... The Buffalo yeah. Bills. Easiest pick of the draft. Yes, by far. <sighs> have you come across anyone who doesn't have the Bills as their Super Bowl favorite? Uh, I feel like a couple of contrarian picks, but as we talk about the stuff that tends to make the sausage in this kind of draft, a division where they're heads and tails above everyone else right now, we know the AFC is going to be tough, but like it really doesn't matter. They went out and addressed some needs this offseason, and they've got Josh Allen, who seems to have just – done the impossible at every step in his career so far. So yeah, they're, they seem pretty easy at this point. As far as the schedule goes, I mean, so we'll, you know, starting with the division, they're pretty far and away the division favorites. I will say, I think Miami and new England could certainly steal a game from them a piece. Um, but it's, so it's not like they're one of the, one of those divisions where they're like so far ahead. I actually, I, there aren't really that many divisions where there's like a someone who like just one clear cut team. I know people say the AFC South comes up a lot and 
we'll see what happens when it's time to pick there. But, um, you know, the, the schedule I'm looking at it right now, it's not that easy. No, it's definitely not easy. And you're right. This isn't what we always thought of as like New England's run through the Tom Brady Belichick era through the AFC East, where so many of those teams just had such extended periods and periods in the cellar of that division. Like you're right. Miami could absolutely go up in the first year under a new coach and get the best out of Tua or New England can continue to just find a way. But I, I still think just as far as the pure talent on this roster and the way they've put it together, like New England's got a little more of a talent void than we're used to. And Miami still has the biggest question mark at the most important position. So I feel good about the wins in the division. You're right. Like on the road in Los Angeles to start the season, pretty tough way to kick things off. I'm with you. You get Baltimore on the road early in the season too. So those aren't slouches by any means. All right. Not much to talk about the bills. A lot of consensus there. I've got the number two pick and I am going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There we go. Do you feel like the interior offensive line melting into butter? Well, no, butter doesn't. Well, butter just already. Yeah. I think it melted substances. Goo? Eh. Anyways, crumbling. Crumbling like a wafer, like a Nilla wafer. Does that concern you that much? It makes me really hungry now. Um, it, it does, and I saw I saw Dan uh, Orlovsky tweet about this the other day that the Buccaneers are an offense that had an uh, incredible amount of success in the downfield passing game oh. and the amount of attempts of passes beyond 20 yards that in the version of offense they run, because remember, like now we're in this world where we think of everyone running some version of that Shanahan-McVay offense where you're moving the pocket all the time. Tampa Bay does this with like hard sell play action based mm-hmm. on hard gap plays up the middle. So it does ask a lot of that group. It, it concerns me some Mina, but I think over the course of a long season, like knowing Ryan Jensen is not to- like, that's not as bad as we thought it could be. And his presence in there alone being worth so much as they go along in the season. I, I think because of how the NFC sits this year, it doesn't worry me enough to, to not agree with this pick. Yeah, a lot of thoughts about the the interior offensive line in particular. I talked about this last week with Aaron Schatz, you know, and of course the traditional Brady, the way to get to him is with interior pressure trope, which is true. It's true because it's true. Um, I, I mentioned this last week, but last year, Tom Brady, well, we talked about how the fact that he was actually better under pressure, which Aaron correctly noted is not entirely a stable statistic. And typically Tom Brady has been worse under pressure, like most quarterbacks, but the splits are pretty dramatic. But I think the la- the thing that last year that did jump out to me, even though they were pushing the ball downfield and there were some of those slower developing plays, is um, Tom Brady was getting the ball out really quick last year. I think I should have looked this up before. I'm pretty sure it's it's if not the quickest of his career, it is up there. It was he was right behind. So Ben Roethlisberger was obviously um, threw it quicker than any quarterback in the NFL. But Tom Brady was right behind him, uh, 2.2 seconds for Roethlisberger, uh, and then, or pardon me, two, time for pass, 2.38, and then 2.5 for Brady was next. So I do think his style of play does negate this injury a little bit. I also think the return of Chris Godwin and an addition of Russell Gage um, gives him a pair of receivers who can get open quickly, which should help. Um, but I just think setting that aside, the schedule is not too bad. Uh, according to Football Outsider Strength of Schedule projection, I hope you don't have that in front of you. It's 19th in the NFL, um, meaning the 19th hardest. So, you know, 
below average. And yeah, I mean, the defense is still incredible. I really like the depth at pretty much every position other than the offensive line and linebacker. So I feel good about this team. All right, you're up next. All right, man. I have an interesting strategic choice to make here. Hmm. 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 I wanna- eh, you know what? Again, vibes are going to win out here still. I'm going to do what I did last year. I'm going to go back to back. I'm going to go Bills cheap. Oh, like, wow. I, I, yeah. The, I, I like, I, I know, and I've been thinking hard about the NFC part of this, and I'm leaving myself vulnerable. But at the same time, if this is about winning games, I think we're getting ready to see the offensive buzzsaw come back for the Chiefs. I think that's going to be real. And for as tough as that division is, I expect them to win that division. I expect them to make hmm. a deep postseason hmm. run. So there's points there. This is where the the point system really comes into play because if it was just regular season wins, I think this would be a terrible pick. Frankly, the Chiefs have the third hardest schedule in the NFL. They play in the AFC West. Yada yada. Not terrible pick, but you know it wouldn't be my choice. However, because we overweight playoff success, I do think it's not crazy to take the Chiefs here because once they get into the playoffs and it becomes an even playing field outside of that number one seed having the bye. The Chiefs are as good as any team in the NFL, right? Like it would absolutely take them. So it makes sense. Um, I guess let me ask you this: setting aside schedule and the loss of Tyreek Hill, like what is your biggest concern about this Chiefs roster? I mean, I guess you could still say in pivotal moments, like I know everyone's going to get excited about George Karloftis showing, you know, showing moments in the preseason as a pass rusher for them. But down the stretch, that was a place where they had spent a bunch of money that did not show returns. And Karloftis is a good player. I think he's going to probably have the benefit of being next to Chris Jones and that might free him up some, but that was still a group that kind of wilted in the biggest moments that they needed them. And I don't think Karloftis is like, it's not their version of the Bills adding Von Miller, let's put it that way, where it's such a definite stock up and a definite kind of feather in their cap for the big moments down the stretch of the season where they're going to need it. And so there's part of me that still worries a bit about what the pass rush could look like once you run into a team like Buffalo in the postseason, but not enough to downgrade them past this pick, clearly. You know, we talk a lot about the Chiefs offense and how it's going to evolve because of the personnel and also obviously defense has played them and that being a big reason why we want to watch this team. I'm also really curious to see what this defense looks like because, um, you know, the cornerback group is not a strength. And uh, they will be counting on Trent McDuffie, who's their rookie corner. You talk about Karloftis to produce. I'm, I'm very curious to see with Steve Spagnuolo what that means for this defense. You know, like how it looks different from last year, if at all. I don't think we'll really know that until, God, they have the Chargers <laughs> that Thursday night game. Yeah. Ooh, buddy. We'll find, we'll find out very soon if they want to <sighs> stubbornly stick with man coverage like they did against the Bengals and get their ass roasted. Okay. This might be a surprising pick. It shouldn't be. I'm going to go Homer here. I'm going to take the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Traitor. Me and a Um. Okay. So this is kind of like I've got Bucks and Rams at the top of the NFC um, as the favorites to represent. I think one of those teams is probably going to get the one seed. We'll see. Things can go crazy, obviously. Um, there are a couple other teams in the mix. But this, to me, feels like the safest best. I also think, I mean, I, I, the Niners, I think, will be good. With, we'll talk about them at some point. But I think the NFC West is not as hard as it was last year. 
Um, the Rams schedule is pretty difficult, but I think this offense is going to be really good. I do think there's going to be a little bit of an impact with some of the losses on defense. Von Miller and Darius Williams, you know, they're counting on some of the younger players to produce. But, um, you know, having two Hall of Famers, now three, and Bobby Wagner, who I actually think is going to be better in this defense than people might think based on the last couple of years, it's been a pretty good formula so far for elevating the play of everyone around him. So uh, I know people are freaked out about the Stafford elbow injury, but the latest news is pretty good. Like it's, it seems like I feel like McVeigh using like baseball language really scared everyone. But since then it seems like things have simmered down a bit. So Mina, let me ask you, since you've been covering this team all preseason, we talked about interior line for the bucks how much worry is there along the offensive line in general for the Rams? Logan Bruss, who was already having a yeah. tough preseason, now lost for the year. They're replacing Witt at left tackle. So what does that group look like up front to start the season? Because we know, especially with how much drop back and five, you know, five-man pro, six-man pro they wanted to do last year, they asked a lot of that group. Yeah. Well, so Andrew was a replacement is Joe Noboom, who has played a lot of football. He's played really well. He played left tackle for several games when Andrew Whitworth was out in 2020. He's played golf. Hard. Um, they have a lot of faith in him, which is why they gave him a contract extension. You know, anytime you go from Andrew Whitworth to someone, there's obviously a bit of a downgrade, but I think it's a pretty, uh, a pretty solid replacement. Uh, right guard is the question. Um, so when they drafted Logan Bruss, I think the thinking was, oh, he'll come in and start right away. But reality is, since the summer, really since you saw Logan Bruss play in the preseason in preseason week one, which is always the tell with McVeigh, um, they've been leaning towards going with the veteran option in Coleman Shelton, who has played a little bit. And I think they feel pretty comfortable with him. Uh, the depth is not fantastic on the offensive line, so that could definitely be a concern. But I think at least four of the five positions you know, are pretty set. So it's not a huge issue. The one that I'd actually be more concerned about, potentially, Mike, is running back. You know, um, yeah, this was obviously very a huge issue last year. They lose Cam Akers, the Achilles right away. They trade for Sonny Michelle. So Akers and Henderson aren't, practicing they have soft tissue injuries um again this is the rams so like you know the, sean yeah. will hold anyone out if possible um they did draft kyron williams out of notre dame he's more of that third down pass protecting back but um that is a you know a reinforcement there that's an area where you know they might add a player just you know keep an eye on them all right you're up oh. all right uh with my third pick i am finally going to head over to the nfc and i'm going to take the packers <laughs> I was saying between the Rams yeah. and the Packers. Yeah, I, I, and honestly, they were the one I was waffling with when it came to the Chiefs pick here, and they ended up in the same spot. And I, I know there's some concerns. Like, I'm worried. I know Bakhtiari, I think, is off the pup list now. Mm-hmm. Is huge. that the last yeah, news that no, we he, got? So he's out there, yeah. Huge for them. Elton Jenkins has been dinged up, too, who's one of the most versatile offensive. Like, I worry a little bit about that group in front of him. And obviously, the Devontae Adams-sized hole in the offense, but – Man, if you want to talk about a place where I'm confident in a quarterback's ability to kind of adjust, and this might be like a top five defense in the NFL this year. So I think combining that with the division and you've got a pretty easy formula here. I I was definitely deciding between the Rams and the Packers. Um, I am very high on the Packers defense, although I walked back my they're the second best defense in the NFL. <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yes. The, well, just because there's a little like I was like, ah, oh, they need like Campbell and Douglas to produce at that you know crazy high level, and counting on a couple of rookies. Although they're really not counting on Devontae Wyatt uh, immediately. It sounds like. Um, yeah. But God, the secondary is so good. 
They should be so good. Loaded. So good. So loaded. Um, offense, like, it's I, – I don't want to, like, try to project where this offense is going to land, candidly, because – I think we all kind of know what it's going to look like, right? We know that they're going to go with heavier personnel groupings and they're going to throw to their two backs. Um, but that said, you still need one of these wide receivers to threaten downfield outside where Aaron Rodgers likes to throw a lot. Could it be Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson? Absolutely. But it's kind of one of those like, oh, do I really want to like hop on this train before it takes off? I don't know. You know, like... But, but that said, they're still going to be efficient as hell, assuming Aaron Rodgers plays at the same level he's been playing. So, and, and assuming that the offensive line is healthy, as you said. Well, I mean, listen, if you listen to Sammy Watkins, apparently Aaron Rodgers is on another level, even from the likes of Patrick Mahomes. So take that one to the bank. What is with wide receivers this offseason? Just- and like with Mahomes, it's been him both times. That's right. I think there's a lot of, there must be a lot of bitterness when receivers go to the chiefs and they're not targeted a lot or they're not like a huge part of the offense or something. Well, or when they're never going to get the lion's share of the credit when you've got Reed Mahomes there, who are such an easy billboard for most like national analysis of that team. So you can kind of get it, but at the same time, man, like Mahomes has never struck me as a guy who's like a bad teammate either. That would leave you with that taste in his mouth. So I don't know, man. Well, uh, yeah, I was wrong. Obviously he'll get targeted, but he didn't, he seemed to feel he didn't get enough credit. And yeah, (laughs) um, that one was worse, but this one, like it it would be one thing if he said it's Aaron Rodgers, but it's like another tier. Like what? I don't really do that, man. I don't know. A lot of of saying and doing too. Maybe he thought it would endear him to Rodgers. Which at this point, with the young receivers pissing him off, maybe not a bad strategy. Heady play by Sammy Watkins. All right. So that was pick number six. I have pick number seven. We are cruising along. I think that was only pick number five. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> God damn it. We're, All right. we're so smart. I have, I have pick number six. Ooh, there's two teams I'm deciding between. Um, okay. I'm going to go for the upside play here, and I'm going to take. The Los Angeles Chargers. There we go. Don't love seeing JC Jackson out for a couple weeks. Don't love that. Yeah. Yeah. Not not giving me the warm fuzzies right now. Like that's got to be the biggest fear with this team, right? Mina is just the looming specter of injury that haunts them every year. Yeah. And I don't think they're particularly deep at a lot of positions. They just have like a lot of stars. Um they also the, they have the easiest schedule in their division, according to Football Outsiders. This, you know, this is. I mean, this this obviously the story tells itself. Justin Herbert, MVP season. Not much to not like on this offense, other than right tackle. Defensively, so many reinforcements coming in. They're they have to be better than last year. I, I, my, I gave him a couple of her leaving for bringing the Packers too high. I've kept the, I left the charges out of my top 10, but if it's not obvious from listening to this, I have no idea how to rank things at all. I am incapable of writing down a list. Um, I'm, I'm buying him. I'm buying that defense, even though, you know, it's not perfect. And we have to kind of see it. There's this kind of assumption. Okay. Finally, Brand Staley has like the pieces in place. 
he needs to run his defense, which obviously they didn't have last year. And I see that. But, you know, you're still, I mean, defensive tackle. I know they brought in Sebastian Joseph Day. It's still like, uh, linebacker, mm, you know, I got to kind of see it. But if Jackson is healthy, everybody kind of slots into the right place on that defense. I will say, by the way, though, it was interesting to see Asante Samuel playing in the preseason um, versus the Rams uh, week one. Appears to be in a competition with Michael Davis to play that outside cornerback spot. But outside of that, um, there's just too many good players on this team. Yeah, if if Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa can equal you like more or less like Aaron Donald and a little bit of change, then it does make the rest of those things. Like even if we're asking Sebastian Joseph Day to like be the card that holds this all in place in the middle because mm-hmm. he's the name we bring up when we talk about addressing run defense. Mm-hmm. I, I still think the rest of that is just so good that it's like – it's like the Warriors theory. When you do something so well like that in one particular facet, you know, how much are we going to really gripe about run defense as long as you're just mm-hmm. average? Yeah, I mean, if Mack is healthy, it's incredible. What he does, obviously, Joy Bosa not having had mm-hmm. someone rush opposite him. I mean, you know, there's a Chen and Wosu. Chris Ramp, by the way, looked amazing in the preseason. Just so much preseason knowledge coming to you in this podcast, guys. It's going to be so used to it, <laughs> I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, when he's healthy and he hasn't been healthy, Mac dominant in both, uh, you know, getting at the quarterback, but also in the run game, which is so important again with this offense to have an edge like that who can set the edge. Um, so yeah, I like them a lot. All right, you're up. That was actually pick six. That was actually pick six. All right. Um, this is where it starts to get real, real interesting for me. Um, I am going, God, I'm, mm. Mm. Let me look and see something here quick. Who did you just pick me on the Chargers? Mm-hmm. So we got Bills, Bucks, right, Chiefs, Rams, Packers, Chargers. All right, I am gonna go. I'm gonna go Baltimore here. Okay. I am. Uh, I mean, a lot of this is banking on. I, I think, as we have both recently talked to Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. They lost not only the most games in the NFL to injury last year, but it was like a historically bad amount of those. And so if any of that course corrects, I feel like the rest of this is set up pretty well. Like Lamar Jackson, while we've had the contract news be the sole focus of this, a lot of good reports coming out of camp has put on a little bit of weight and hasn't really lost a step. Like their defense appears to be back in the form that we'd kind of expect. They're going to have a super deep safety room with Kyle Hamilton. It looks like not starting at this point and being able to kind of be used pretty creatively over the top of that defense. But uh, I don't know. I I think this is one of those years where, you know, you can do the easy narrative and say you've got a motivated Lamar Jackson trying to make sure that he makes the organization look dumb for not just guaranteeing him all this money. And then we kind of mow things along from there. Isaiah likely offensive rookie of the year. (laughs) <laughs> mm. where we at mm. he's offensive rookie of the preseason i could tell you that much I, don't get me wrong i'm one of like the college football sicko people that had like a real great time constantly trying to yell to people to rank coastal carolina yeah. and all that stuff mm. but even i've been shocked at how much the nfl has loved isaiah likely so far like Ooh. he was a baller in that offense and honestly it, it's kind of funny because coastal carolina essentially runs like um like a spread a spread option sort of thing here. And they've got, you know, Grayson McCall at quarterback, who's the ultimate dealer in the middle of it. But 
a lot of it as far as the sleight of hand that you can do with an incredible athlete at quarterback, and that's not to compare Grayson to Lamar by any stretch, but in their pool, that's kind of how they use him. Like When you've got that, that was sort of how they use the tight end in that offense, where you get a lot of these slipped out looks, and you can get guys running butt naked open. You use them in a bunch of creative ways, so it's it always seemed like an interesting fit schematically, but I did not see it paying dividends this quickly. My biggest concern, I mean, we, I talked about this a little bit with, I mentioned it to Aaron and Bill and I talked about it when we talked to the Ravens last week. You know, it, it, Ronnie Stanley's not back yet. That's a concern. Um, I would say that's more of a concern for me than wide receiver on this team. Um, I feel better about the pass rush than I probably should. <laughs> um, I really like Adafi Owe. I, you know, I, he flashed last year. He didn't quite put it all together. Um, but I think bringing back Justin Houston, so much depth on the interior of that D line, and then this is an offense that, as you said, is is stacked in the secondary, um, and it's air defense. Pardon me, and is going to look very different. I think Oa is someone who I could see really taking a leap forward just because of his circumstances. Um, so I think this is an interesting spot in the draft because I think the teams we all just named. I could see all of them realistically winning the Super Bowl. Agree or disagree? Completely agree. So the, I, I think yeah. I think now we're starting to get into like everyone else from here on out to me, and I'd kind of like divvied up the list as such was like, all right, like everyone else from here on out is like a wild card team that I could see pulling a yes. Cincinnati if things go their way. So here I'm gonna once again lean on our good friend Aaron Schatz and take the Eagles. As he Damn said it. last week, easiest schedule in the NFL. Stacked roster. Are they good enough to win the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts? I think so. We've seen teams, this is, you know, historically there have been teams where the quarterback isn't playing like one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL and they still win because everything is good around them. Um, I just, to me, that like starting from the premise of getting wins, I'm I'm still a little bit nervous about the playoffs, but I think they're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah, this was one I was I was going to be curious how far they got down here. I had like once we got into this region, I thought they were going to be a pretty good value pick just because now that they're healthy and a bit reinforced on both lines of scrimmage, this team starts to look really dangerous again. Like we know the wide receiver room went healthy, got some help this offseason, the AJ Brown draft splash, all that. Like everyone in college football Twitter loves them for taking the Georgia backbone up the middle and adding those guys to the depth on the roster. But yeah, this is a really interesting team. And, and credit to Nick Sirianni, like halfway through last year, he really kind of swallowed his pride and started running this offense the way everyone was shouting at him to run it. Like it, it, Maybe you can fault him for it taking that long, but they decided, all right, we're going to go all in on being a run-first football team. We're going to use Miles Sanders and a quarterback that's got unique gifts in that area, and we're going to make people's lives a living hell because of it. So Shane Steigen, who's their offensive coordinator, is going to call plays. I think that was kind of part of the change, giving him more responsibility. Um I've really liked what I've seen from them. You, know, you never want to put overweight the preseason, but just what we've seen from them early on, the vibes are really good. <laughs> Everything's good. I, I, I just, I, I, know I've raved about what I just love what the AJ Brown addition does to the rest of this group of skill players and the roles that they now play in this offense. Obviously, 
the offensive line. Holy crap. That uh, Cam Jurgens, their center, who Ooh. Yeah, so like he went he he had that viral clip where Jordan Davis was like causing him to kind of like bunny hop back a little bit. Um but apparently looks like, you know, I mean, he you 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 can speak to this better than I, but like uh, yet it seems like they found another one. It's crazy. What it what like the Eagles and offensive linemen at this point, like we can safely say that is a thing. It's a hundred percent a thing. Honestly, it's it's a thing in a way that and like inside this division, this will probably hurt to hear, but like that's what Dallas used to be. Yeah. Like, and now honestly, they you know, they spent first round draft capital. So you can say it's a little more obvious, but I think overall for a while they scouted that position so well. And that's kind of where Philly's at right now. And I mean, credit to them. You know, they let Jason Kelsey help them out with this. Like we had that famous viral moment with him and Adam Lefko during the draft where he's like, they asked me for my opinion on these guys. And mm. I said, this is the guy that reminds me most of me. This is a guy that athletically because that's what, like looking across the board for the Eagles offensive line. It, it like athleticism is the thing that jumps off on the scouting report, right? Like relentless motor and then insane athletes. Jordan Mailata is a monster of a human being. Lane Johnson might be the best pure pound for pound O-line athlete playing in the NFL. They recruit incredible athletes and are also guys with some pedigree. Like Cam Jurgens came from Nebraska. They know how to put out offensive linemen, even with the struggles recently. And so, yeah, it, it just, they leaned on their guy to kind of, keep them honed in on what their identity is as an offensive line. And so far he's delivered. There's no doubt. All right. You're up. All right. Um, Not pressure. Yeah, no, there is. You know what? I think just because of that pick, I'm going to go Dallas here. Ah, that would have been my pick. Yeah. I think just, I, again, like in playing the game on this one, because we're kind of bottlenecked with a couple of teams, but Dallas, I think, is going to be right there neck and neck. Like it, it really, for me, I'd, if you put a, if you know, if you made me choose with any amount of money on my side, I'd probably bet Philly to win the division, but Dallas isn't far enough behind. They've got Dak, and I, I know, you know, there's questions on the off. You know, I keep feeling like because I'm an offensive lineman, I go back to that, but like Tyler Smith, their first round pick is a guy who I think is going to be a, a pretty heavily penalized player based on how he's played in college and what he needs to get better on, which is what we've seen Dallas struggle with last year and had like 11 penalties through three quarters of a preseason game earlier this preseason. So there's definitely cause for concern there, but it's all the same usual selling points for Dallas. Yeah. I think I gotten to a point where like I was so unnerved by the turnover dependence on defense that I kind of was like underrating the talent on the defense. I mean, are right. they going to be as incredible as they were last year? No, probably not because teams don't usually get that level of turnovers year to year, but there really is. They're just, you know, I mean, Micah Parsons apparently, you know, I mean, he still looks like arguably one of the four or five best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and you know, Demarcus Lawrence is a beast. And then on the back end, like, you know, those cornerbacks, like they played well last year. Safety's played well. So I, I feel really good about them. I also saw somewhere that Michael Gallup has a shot to return sometime in the first four weeks of the season, a few weeks of the season, in September. So that makes me feel better about that offense, which is obviously, uh, you know, with his absence, has some issues at wide receiver. And, you know, they got the best quarterback in the division. So, uh, yeah, and they also have a very good easy schedule like Dallas or like Philadelphia. So. Yep. And I, I mean, you know, Dak Prescott being fully healthy and walking into this season with 
all the background noise that's existed there, I think is a real enough factor for me to certainly say that they've got a quarterback that's capable of getting them to the Super Bowl. All right. I'm going to take my high variance pick here. Can you guess what it is? um, I think I have a pretty good idea of this one. The San Francisco 49ers. Oh, okay. Wasn't, wasn't my thought. Really? I like the pick. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is the team where I don't like, there could be some really rough games during the regular season, but I think they could win the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, that's the Trey Lance bet. Yes. The defense is so good though. They should be so good. And for, you know, I've talked about this at length, but just the front is absolutely ridiculous. Love the Chavarius Ward edition. Linebacker group is incredibly good and deep. And then offensively, um, yeah, I mean, this is the bet on the the upside you get with Lance. They're, it's probably not going to be as efficient last year. The lows are going to be lower and the highs are going to be higher. But if they make it into the playoffs, this is the stereotypical team nobody wants to play. Yep. I think I saw Trent Williams the other day talking about, too, like Kyle Shanahan's a weapon. Like you have one of the few coaches in this league that's a legitimate weapon as a play caller. So between that, I am my kingdom for Javon Kinlaw to pop more this season. Like I already had to see the training camp videos of what might be on a defense full of freaky, scary athletes, the freakiest and scariest looking athlete of that group, just based on physical makeup. And we know super productive at South Carolina. They're still waiting for that guy to kind of show up full time. But the fact that that's your like third best D lineman on this team, maybe fourth best is insane and scary and shouldn't be real. All right. You're next. (sighs) All right. I am next. And with this pick, I, Hmm. I am going to go, I'm going to go with the Colts. Okay. Another one, because I, I think they're going to win the South. So yeah. I think, you know, by nature of that, you're going to be a team that's in the playoffs here. Um, I know we'll have a Tennessee conversation at some point. And I know Matt Ryan and this offense have not looked very good in certain points of this preseason. They were just uh, up on the last episode of Hard Knocks having a joint practice with the Lions uh, as of when this episode was recorded. But I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, and I know I'm talking to a pro Matt Ryan podcast, I feel like an adult in the room on that offense after Philip Rivers was there is exactly what this team needs. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's about that simple. Like in this division where we're going to have a one seed from last year's playoff regress way, way back, or I shouldn't say way back, but back far enough from that standard that I think it opens it up for them to be my pick to win the division. Yeah. I, I, just a lot of talent too, with that defensive front being in Ngakwe, you got now Gilmore behind them. I understand there's not a lot of enthusiasm about another Gus Bradley defense, but I, I think I talked about this when we did the podcast with Nora. He does have the horses, ooh, Colts horses to potentially Ew. run it. Um, you know, and and boy, football insiders has uh, the Lions with more wins than the Colts. That's crazy. Uh, I just pulled that up. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think setting that aside, I think the division speaks for itself. I think I'm a little bit worried about that wide receiver room, and the line isn't quite what it was. But given where Matt's Ryan's coming from, I think he neutralizes that just because he mitigates it so much compared to the quarterbacks before him. 
given from where Matt Ryan's coming from, he's got to be looking through that at that offensive line like he's shallow how. <laughs> like they have to look like a perfect 10 to him. All right. I am up next. And here I there's some potentially crazy directions I could go in. Yeah. We're in the, we're in that zone. I am going to take the I can't do it. I can't do that. <sighs> Will I? Ooh, no. I, sorry, this no, is so annoying. Couldn't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, sorry. On air waffling. Del- I know. Come to podcast. Truly the worst. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Well, you're about to understand why I was waffling because I am going to take the Vikings here. Oh, my God. Why? Oh, no. no. <laughs> you know what? Actually, undo it. Undo it. I'm taking it back. Oh, I'm walking. Wow. I'm, I'm getting rid of the card at the podium and I'm pulling out a different card. I, I can't do it. I, I know I. I I'm going to take the Saints here. That's a spicy pick, I think. But All right. Well, let the record show if anything goes wrong with what happens this year in the proceedings and I lose by some uncomfortable margin. <laughs> I promise the entire thing is happening under protest after yes. that now. I will oh. use this moment to undo everything oh, that you build from here on oh, out. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Mina. Because, all right, I love the Saints defense. I think the offense is going to be better. I know people are concerned about losing Sean Payton's a very valid concern. I know Michael Thomas is still like a little bit banged up. And by the way, did you see that Trevor Penning is not starting at left tackle? Did I send you that? Uh, you didn't, but James uh, based on what we've seen so far in the preseason, Mina, I'm not overly stunned. And when that pick and when that card came up for that team, replacing the guy they were replacing with that pick, like you couldn't have gone polar opposite as uh, as polar opposite as you did as far as the strengths of the individual player there. So that was interesting he's he's gonna be a good player but that was one of those he was not gonna be ready to start day one no way i just we watched so such bad quarterbacking last year and i talked about this money their preview i was more impressed with james winston when i rewatched and i thought and that was when he was throwing to like whoo buddy i mean marcos callaway is your number one wide receiver or you know so um even regardless of what happens with Thomas, I think Chris Olave is, I would say of all the rookies, he's, he is the actual, my pick for offensive rookie of the year. He just seems like the one who's going to come in and, and produce immediately. And that's not just because I have him on my dynasty league, but um, you know, it, yeah, the offensive line's a little bit of a concern for sure, but the defense is still like, this is what we talked about last week. I, I love the combination of like, they have some aging players, but they've really hit on some younger players as well. And if like, a guy like Peyton Turner suddenly, you know, I would say steps it up, takes it up another level. Yeah, it, it'll just feel like this off defense is as good as it's been. Um, I know they're in a division with the Bucks, but they seem to have the Bucks kryptonite. So there be the Bucks kryptonite rather. So I feel good about them. Yeah, no, that's a good pick, and honestly, is a really crushing blow to the way that I approach the rest of this now because I have backed myself into quite a corner based on my recent picks. We have skewed like Mina Kimes is essentially representing the NFC, and I am representing Ooh. the AFC at this point. That's kind of how this is shaken out, 
And so now I'm starting to get into a pretty dangerous spot with what happens from here on out. Because I, I agree with everything you said about New Orleans. They were going to be the next team up on my list if you had gone with the Minnesota Vikings, which, again, whole thing under protest. We all have that documented <laughs> stance. Make sure you save and clip this. Have this ready for me if things go wrong this season. Oh, God. it's cool. This has been 40 minutes. Okay, pick it up. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Um, damn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Damn. I am gonna. Mm. Oh boy, I don't like this at all. Just do it. I think I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna zig hard here, and I'm gonna go the Cardinals. No. Yeah, I just I needed to get out and like stop cannibalizing my own divisions here. That's probably a bad way to think about it, but I needed some representation there. And hear me out. Hmm. Video post video game call out Kyler. You've got the perfect suspension suspension time for his star wide receiver to coincide with the back half of the season where they've usually slumped the release of Call of Duty and DeAndre Hopkins comes back and gives them the natural boost they're going to need when all of a sudden attention is waning a little bit. So, Mm. again, tons of valid concerns about the defense, Uh, like obviously adding or losing Chandler Jones is a colossal like giant neon sign for, oh, my God, I'm a little bit terrified because. Vance Joseph essentially just has a defense that's a bunch of tweeners that he's turned into fun third down packages. And, you know, the rest is kind of dependent on that secondary to step up and normally capitalize off what was a dominant pass rusher. I don't think what's left of J.J. Watt necessarily replaces that in a meaningful way, but you've got the rest of the NFC West. And so I need someone out there to maybe bust up Mm -hmm. the party and maybe be another team in the NFC that can make the expanded playoffs. Geno Smith isn't good enough for you. Disrespectful. Um, (laughs) We actually, it's funny. You and I had dinner recently with our friend, Stephanie Snowden, who works for the company that makes Call of Duty and uh, was talking about the upcoming release. Little did we know that that would connect to this team draft because it does come out at the end of September. I think like all the games come out at the end of September or something. So you're right. This could time up pretty well. I think, um, I think this offense is actually going to be fine. I know there's a lot of concerns about them, valid ones, especially I think down the stretch when DeAndre Hopkins does return. The people have like really forgotten that he's like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, by the way. Like I, understand, I... like I, I don't, I. It's crazy, like seeing some of the rankings of wide receivers coming out and seeing him just not, not even like missing from like the first and second tiers. Bonkers. Um, I just can't with this defense, but I, I hear where you're, I hear where you're coming from. Um. Yeah, over over analyzing strategy. At they this do point. I've gone away from my vibes. According to football sires, have the hardest schedule in football, though. So. Um. All right. The one list on football outsiders, like you can tell, I clearly didn't check before this, so I've let go and let God as far as the schedule. Which well, I'm taking we the team out last year with the uh, seventh easiest schedule, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> you got you got the one you were looking for. <laughs> Um, boy. So the case for this team is that you bring in this offensive-minded head coach. You unlock Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, that the young tackle, Christian Derrissaw, kind of continues. Obviously, the interior of this offensive line is a major issue, but that he continues to look decent for them and improves. 
Um, you have a healthy Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I think that's actually plausible. I also think the defense is probably going to be better than they were last year. Um, you know, I do still have some question marks, but like there's no depth behind the pass rush, but the pass rush should be good <laughs> if they're when they're back. Um, you know, secondary is still a, a pretty massive concern, and we'll see how that looks in the new Ed Donatel defense. But for the most part, like this should be without a doubt an above average football team. But as is often the case with this team, the question is, can they be better than that? We'll see. But the schedule is the the boost for me. They get to play, you know, the Bears twice. And helps. Yeah, no, God, God, that is going to be God. God bless whichever we'll one of there. us draws the short straw on that one. Yeah, we're we're getting close to getting down to the gutter, but uh, not there yet. Um, all right. Um, next up on this one, I am going to go to last year's Super Bowl representative for the AFC and go for the Bengals. It's kind of messed up that they haven't gone yet. It is very messed up. It's extremely messed up. And especially coming from my dumb ass who said at one point last year, this is probably as bad offensively as we're going to see them for a while because they went out and addressed the one gigantic glaring need in their offense this offseason by signing a bunch of O-line free agents. But, you know, we know defense carried them a lot of the way through the postseason and that's bound to regress. Like, there's all these reasons why it makes sense for them to fall back some, but I, I think enough's enough at this point. Yeah, I well, this they're a team too where it's like to go back to that kind of like wins versus Super Bowl or playoff teams. If they're in, and there are people who think they might not get in, but if they're in because of Joe Burrow and that wide receiver group, I would say, and this is like kind of what you saw play out last year, they can beat anyone. I truly believe that. Do they have? the like consistency you know do they have enough star power on defense did they get a little bit fortuitous last year for sure there's questions but if they're in i would rather have them than i would say at least four of the teams we've already named that's what i got (laughs) all right this is where it gets weird folks take a quick break and come back for the back half this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever wonder what you would do if you had unlimited hours in a day? Would you pick up a new hobby or focus on one you've neglected lately? Would you spend time with those people you haven't seen in a while? Well, there's a chance if you've considered having more time in the day, you're too overworked, stressed, and you haven't spent enough time focusing on yourself, that's where BetterHelp comes in. Therapy can be the spark to help you organize everything in your life and prioritize yourself. The journey of self-improvement isn't an easy one. But I believe when you devote time to your mental health, you become a better version of yourself. So let BetterHelp be your guide along the way. Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A, S-H-O-W today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, I feel really good about this pick. I'm just I'm racing to the podium, and I am taking the Denver Broncos with number sixteen. Yep. Um, you know the the hesitation is obviously the AFC West, but Aaron Schatz and I talked about this in detail last week. Russell Wilson still he's just anytime he's been healthy, he's led a number top ten offense. His offense was already like sneakily better than people think last year um, by most metrics with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, defensively, uh, you know they there's some issues, but I think they've made certain additions that I really like. I think even if they don't finish at the top of their division, they're another team where it's like, okay, if they, if they get there, I could see them winning some games. This is another one. Like I, I I know this is again, the lukewarmest take of all time because we've heard plenty of people say it, but the ASC West does look like a three team playoff division. Like it seems like we could legitimately get all three of those teams. in. so I, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any dispute with this one. I think we've all, I'm excited to finally get the answers to this test. And like Mina is from what we've learned about Russell Wilson in the last couple of years, do you think the way that this offense is set up is going to kind of bring him back to what we were always thinking of him before the last couple of seasons? I think it's kind of somewhere in between where you're he'll, because this is an offense with like a pretty good run game, decent offensive line, good skill players, all of which is pretty similar to Seattle. Frankly, Um, I guess the offensive line, at times in Seattle, it, it depends on which iteration of that offense you're talking about. But um, I think you're probably going to see an offense that I've talked about a lot, like kind of look like what it did when it was good in Seattle, recently good. I think the mobility is the big question mark, though. Like, is that gone? And I think, you know, or is it just, it, are we now on the, the decline? And I think because of his size and parts of the field he uses, that does make a big difference. But He's just he's just so accurate and so good at throwing deep. There's just always this offense is just going to be so much more explosive than it was in recent history that I think it's just going to be even if there's still some dead drives and three and outs and um, they struggle against certain kinds of defenses, they're going to be better to me. All right, you're next. All right, uh, I'll go to the podium on this one and I'll take Tennessee. Yeah, you know. When it, in the top half of that division, we'll have a legitimate claim to this. Like I know coming off the postseason last year where we all watched them crap their pants in prime time, we're all going to be down on them. But I don't know, defensively, that's still a front four that got a ton of pressure last year and didn't have to really like reinvent the wheel to do it. Jeffrey Simmons appears to be Himothy. He's got that dog in him. Whatever you want to say about him, it's true. And then some, and you know, Caleb Farley, if he continues to, you know, stay healthy and be the guy in the secondary that we saw coming out of college, could be a really impressive addition to that sort of marriage of coverage and pass rush. So, and then, you know, there'll be the Ryan Tannehill question, who I don't think is as bad as we saw from him in the playoffs, but he's another guy like Kirk Cousins that we may be steadily finding, just has a ceiling as far as what he's going to do to elevate your offense unless there's something else there. Traylon Burks is not going to step in right away and replace A.J. Brown as far as a physical presence, but you know you have Bobby Trees coming in to help that wide receiver room off injury. So there's, there's reasons I can be excited, but I, I kind of understand that this is a team that may have already peaked. Yeah, I, I, I like them. I like the defense a lot. Um, I think the offense is going to be worse and the defense is going to be better, uh, frankly. 
you know, I, it, some of that is counting on those young cornerbacks and players in secondary to step up, or at least one of them to kind of make a jump. But just the the front four, I think Bud Dupree is going to be better than he was last year too, coming off of like a fully healthy off season. Um, I just really like this group of players, and yeah, I guess I shouldn't say Caleb Farley right out of hand. Yeah, might not. Rod McCreary been going at it, so it's uh, yeah, but yeah, McCre- either way, McCre- like I said, young secondary. Okay, uh, I have the 18th pick, and. I am going to take the. Oh, I'm going to take the Raiders here. Do I? How many AFC West teams do I have? That means I have three of the four. Yep. <sighs> I can't change it. We're, get, we're getting to that. We're change. getting to that point now where it's sort of unavoidable, though. Where we're going to start doubling up on a lot of well, them. But you just you know. the Raiders. Okay, let's just the Raiders. Couldn't you see them? Winning nine games, like couldn't you see that happening? I, <laughs> I, I, I could. I think a lot of the same concerns that we had about them last year, like mm. particularly at corner and along the offensive line, are still pretty valid. The Chandler Jones ad could probably go a long way into making some of those concerns on the back end a little bit lesser, but. It's just, you know, this Thunderdome of a division always hangs overhead. Against the Raiders is the division because the case for them is uh, absent of that is very easy to make, right? You add Chandler Jones. I like the Rocky Sin addition. And the secondary, uh, Patrick Graham, I could see doing a better job than Gus Bradley. Offensively, obviously, you're adding Devontae Adams should be. Yes. Uh, The offensive line is a huge, huge problem with this team. They should buy They should trade for a tackle. I don't know who's out there, but they should trade for one. Yeah. They're going to need to find something, man. It just Figure seems it like right now some of the confidence is shot on Alex Leatherwood. You know, Colton Miller has developed into a better player than I expected him to be coming out of UCLA. But, like, you know, it's what – like you have – you had to maximize the rest of this, right? You've got Darren Waller, patent, you know, paying on comparative peanuts. This is probably going to be the end of Josh Jacobs there. It doesn't seem like this regime is super bought into him. So you might see more of, like, Zamir White, the young guy they got out of Georgia. But – there's weapons where you got to move something to make it happen right now. Unless you view this year as just kind of a trial for Carr to figure out what you really want before you dump him this offseason. Don't you think that the secondary can't be worse at playing Patrick Mahomes than they were last year when they would just stubbornly adhere to that cover three at all costs, right? So I, I don't know. I, I the, This competition is the the thing that makes if – if they were in – let's see. If they were – let me throw this out to you. Would you have them winning the AFC South? Ooh, ooh, I love this. Um, Barnwell and I invented the uh, transfer portal for NFL teams. Oh man, a, a genius move and a reason why the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny continues its dynasty dynasty reign. Um, yeah, I'd probably say they'd be let neck and neck with the. They'd be probably neck and neck with the Colts for me. I'd probably still side a bit on the Colts, but it'd be a real. It'd be a tougher conversation than Colts Tennessee is for me right now. All right, who you got at pick nineteen? At pick nineteen, I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. Yeah, and so I would have taken. Yep, it's. I'll be very interested to see because the Dolphins offensive line has still not made the jump that anyone's predicted, but we know so much of that is going to be hopefully about Teron Armstead being on the field, being healthy and being enough of an impact to where you can provide resources for the other guys on that group. Cause they're young and I've talked to Teron and he's a guy who really thinks 
that that group has the chance to develop into something special. They might be trying to flip Mike Gusecki now at tight end and see what they can bring in for him. So maybe they can turn that into some offensive line help somehow. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of speed everywhere on this offense and we know what the defense is about. So it's it, they're going to be one of the more entertaining teams to watch, especially early on, because if we get a sliver of hope from Tua, then all of the takes are going to start with this team. On the flip side, I'm going to go with the Patriots with my next pick. Um, there you go. I've had so much trouble deciding between them and the Dolphins for number two in the division. The like energy on the Patriots is so bad right now because of the offensive coordinator thing, the switch to the outside zone scheme, the lack of cornerbacks on this roster, and I hear all of that, but – I think offensively they're going to be fine. I know I, I I just laid out like all the negative things, but I think, um, you know, I, I really think Mac Jones is going to be better this year. I think Devontae Parker was a good addition. I think the tight ends, John Smith can't be worse than he was last season. Um, and then defensively, yeah, the corner thing is, is absolutely huge, but it's Bill Belichick. I don't know. I just can't see them being terrible. I just, I just, it's hard for me to imagine this team finishing below 500. I agree. They kind of get that Mike Tomlin benefit of the doubt where you just count on them to mm-hmm. find a way. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, uh, I mean, it's just, it's a flavor of ice cream thing with them and the dolphins, right? Like the dolphins are the variants pick and the Patriots are the steady heartbeat. So. All right. Get it. Let's go. All right. Um, some of this is, um, I think, for reasons that everyone would understand. And um, another part of this is, I think, a little bit of strategy because I have been so AFC heavy. But I'm going to reach a little bit here and bring on America's team, the uh, Detroit Lions. Let's go. Stolen from right under me. The <sighs> foremost purveyor of Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid. The... Uh, the the restorer of the roar. That's the thing, right? People say restore the roar. Oh yeah, restore, restore the, roar. the roar. Like I said, Mina, Mina Kimes, hoster of one of the grittier podcasts uh, podcasts on God's internet. Oh, I'm I, I I understand. Like we see all the stuff about gambling money coming in on them because of hard knocks, but like this is a team that's legitimately built well along both lines of scrimmage, and has. Certain things, like I know Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get a ton of pub coming off this mm-hmm. camp, but is a solid receiver. It's just they got a Jared Goff problem. Like this team is going to just be as good as they can be because Jared Goff's not going to make you better than that. And then they're going to figure out whether they're bad enough. Maybe they can luck their way into a high draft pick. Or if they're good enough, maybe, maybe, maybe if Vegas decides they want to get out from under Derek Carr, Detroit can be in the sweepstakes for that and make things interesting next year. You're paying them at 21, too. So this is not, you don't have to, like, justify. A- anything at this point, you don't really have to justify. Zee um, Goff is, he's fine when he's comfortable. And this is one of the comfiest spots for a quarterback, shockingly, I think in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, shoot, like, yeah. where would you rank this offensive line? I mean, they're I mean, they're a top 10 group for sure, but they're creeping up even, like, Mina, they're so uniquely physical. And I understand that's like an easy thing to say when you watch them rolling Atlanta off the ball in the Mm. preseason. But across the board, they've drafted young, extremely athletic. I thought Jonah Jackson was a super underrated pick a couple of years ago. 
out of Ohio State that's over there, uh, not next to Panay anymore because Panay's over on the right side. But it's just across the board. That part of the team has absorbed the identity as well as anyone. And outside of George Kittle, they probably have the best like two-way tight end in, uh, in the NFL as far as being able to block and catch. Like the Iowa guys are just built different on that front. There aren't a group of there are other tight ends that can catch as well as TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle that also afford you what they do as a blocker. All right. 22. It, this feels appropriate coming off of the Bill Belichick. This They can't be that bad pick. I'm going to go with the Mike Tomlin. They can't be that bad pick. Yes. With the Pittsburgh Steelers finishing over 500. Um, I've mentioned this with Bill. I think the offense, defense is going to be better than they were last season. And offensively, both Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett look okay. They don't look great. I'm not saying. I'm, I'm, well, Pickett actually has looked think, great. He just hasn't played real players yet. But they have. You think, you think he'll start Week One? I think they're going to run this down to the wire. I do. I thought. I mean, Pickett. So he led for those who missed it and have self-respect uh, because they're not <laughs> watching the second halves of preseason games. That was the first half, actually. So he he played two drives. Um, and there were some starters in in the game, uh, uh, yep. Jacksonville. And I thought he looked – I mean, that ball is coming out quick, which was, of course, the biggest question mark with him in college. He takes so long to throw the football. He is going in there with a mission, and he throws such a catchable ball over the middle of the field, which watching it, there was one – it was like Deontay Johnson had a catch. I think it was like a slant. He took from like – you know, he's going to catch so many passes – for eight yards that turn into like 13 in this offense with Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, pardon me. Um, that said, you know, again, it's mostly backups. He has not pushed the ball downfield at all. Only 5.5 air yards per attempt so far in the preseason. So I am fully like hedging all of this, but I think both him and Trubisky look pretty competent. And most importantly, they're probably going to be better than Ben. So this is a team that insanely snuck into the playoffs last year, which Bill Barnwell totally forgot happened, and I don't blame him. Um, <laughs> but at 22, yeah, give me. Yep, yeah, no, that's totally understandable. Um, God. Here we go. I know one of them. I know. Well, I know one of us is going to have to pick this team at some point, and I've already got two teams in the division, so I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet. But the options aside from that are some real sicko shit. Um, you know what? I'll do it so you don't have to. I'll take the Seahawks. Woo! That this is high. This is high. <sighs> I understand it. This is partially me looking and saying I need some NFC representations and I really don't want to pick Washington or the rest of the NFC teams left here. And I, I don't know, like now we're getting into the range where we're going to talk about them in Cleveland and with everything swirling around Cleveland, I understand where the rest of that roster is. Jacoby Brissett is a quarterback we've seen over the long form of a season when he's asked to be the guy, if he is the guy and nothing else happens and we don't get like a Jimmy Garoppolo factor, which with 11 games of suspension, I don't think we're going to get, but I, you know, I, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I, I just, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's less even the moral obligation with Cleveland. Cause at some point one of us is going to pick them. They're going to go in this range. It is what it is, but. I think this also gets a We talked about the Bill Belichick and the Mike Tomlin picks. I think it's perfectly reasonable to think Pete Carroll is not like going to let a team just totally melt down. Well, he's going to have a team that he can mold completely in his likeness now too. Because he doesn't have to butt heads with Russ anymore. He won. 
meltdown and there was an opportunity there for a different joke. Um, I also think that Geno Smith is going to be the quarterback. I don't know if you saw, well, we're recording this ahead of the last preseason game. So actually I don't want to make any, I don't know if it matters. I mean, it does matter. Geno Smith can take care of better care of the football. I do worry a lot about I, the rookie tackles. have looked really good in the preseason, but it's, it's a really tall ask to, for them to, you know, start right away with rookies on both sides. But, um, yeah, it's 23. It's fine. You can have them. I don't care. Whatever. Um, okay. I actually feel really good about this pick. I'm at 24. I'm going to take the commanders here. So, uh, you know, the NFC East has an incredibly easy schedule. Probably the reason why you and I both put the Eagles and the um, Cowboys very high. So the commanders have the second easiest schedule in the NFL behind the Eagles. According to football outsiders. I think the Carson went one slander is out of control. Would I have traded for him? Absolutely not. Do I think he is one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL? No, I think he's. I think he's better than that. I think this offensive line is fine. I think they've got some decent skill players defensively. Chase Young is out for the beginning of the season. Apparently, that doesn't matter. This defense, no, um, it does matter. But I think that the defense did start to gel a little bit as the season went on last year, um, and they can't be any worse than they were at the beginning of last season. So yeah, I mean, right here to potentially finish above 500, I feel comfortable with. Yep. That makes, I'm kind of with you on the Carson Wentz thing too. Um, And I mean, he's, I don't know. He's, I mean, got a legit number one. Terry McLaurin's been awesome. So nice to see he was one of the dudes that got the payday this off season should make him feel a little better about that. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, what kind of headspace can they keep Carson in? And if anything in that stadium will break around him and potentially injure him, because that seems to always be a, a threat there. Although maybe they save that for opposing players. Yeah. Didn't that almost take Jalen, Jalen Hurts, Hurts last yeah. year? That was honestly the moment that Jalen Hurts became president. Like, he was so yep. chill about it. I was like, I don't care if this guy... Didn't he go start helping people, too? Yes. I was like, you can complete 58% of your passes. I do not care. Nothing but respect for my Jalen Hurts. He is so calm and like he's so easy to root for like i always feel so bad because i still think he trends like high-end backup long-term in his career but i feel bad saying it because he's an unbelievable like leader and he's developed more everywhere he's gone he's got all the intangibles like he's the easiest guy to love and root for it just you know the top end talent thing huge fan all right you're up yep all right um stop stop here yeah you know what just gonna let go and let god give me jacksonville Ah, i was gonna take him all right give me the jags baby yeah yeah my sweet son trevor lawrence that's all i want in this world is to see trevor lawrence given an opportunity to succeed and finally they've got grown-ups in the building to help him out with that praise jesus praise every whatever god that will listen here he's looked good so far in the preseason like hasn't been perfect by any stretch but Mm. man you just see the flashes that we knew were there he's an interesting quarterback because i have been watching him closely in the preseason and it's like he makes really hard throws and still misses some easy ones. Do you feel that way watching him? Yeah, and that was that was kind of what he had to do at Clemson because that wasn't an offense that made things easy on the quarterback all the time. Like That was the heavy criticism of them. They didn't do a lot to help their quarterback out. Their offensive line was never one of the best even in the ACC, let alone in the country. So you constantly had this dude having to make spectacular plays, and he was capable. Like No one led college football in 
more plays rolling away from their strong arms, somehow fitting in at new impossible windows than Trevor Lawrence did. But yeah, there's a tendency to miss some of those bunnies there. Absolutely. He's, he's kind of more of a home run. Th- like he might be, if we're doing like an Avengers comp for him, more of like a Thor than he would be like an Iron Man. Like the big shows will absolutely devastate you, but every mm-hmm. once in a while he'll do something that goes, ah, it's a little off. You're not a cast member anymore. You don't have to do the synergy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just come so naturally. So deeply. Um, <laughs> Papa Mickey, I miss you. Oh, man. Uh, I On the flip side, I have been really impressed by Trayvon Walker in the preseason, and I think Woo. this defensive line is going to eat. I love seeing Arden Key on the inside, dude. It, he, looks, they, he looks unlocked. I mean, he did that in, in San Francisco, too, but like, he looks excellent. I, Josh Allen, is, I think, is going to be the biggest beneficiary of all of this because he's going to have so many one-on-ones. I really, really like this group they have up front. Trevon Walker's scary, man. Like, yeah. I know that draft-wise caught us by surprise at the end, but God in heaven, he is sudden and terrifying. And, like, thinking as a person who used to have to try and block freaks of nature like that, he just scares you with so much. <laughs> um, okay. I actually meant to take this team earlier, and I forgot. <laughs> at 26, I'm taking the Carolina Panthers. Whoa! You meant well, to take them earlier? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> what? Okay. Hear me out. All right. Hear me out. Um, young ascendant defense. We all love Brian Burns, of yes. course. I think uh, Yetter Grossmatos needs to kind of take the leap, but um, full season of healthy JC Horn looked awesome. I, I like a lot of the young players in this group. I like Phil Snow. And then Baker Mayfield is going to be better. Then Sam Darnold was. I actually think as long as Iki Aquanu doesn't totally, I'm, I keep saying meltdown. I need a new uh, verb for collapse. Mm. Crump, uh, uh, disintegrate, mm. evaporate, evaporate. What is the opposite of him? I don't like. Actually, don't, don't answer that question. Um, <laughs> okay, so Aquanu has pr- he has struggled in the preseason. That is yes. true. I am very nervous about him versus Miles Garrett in week one. But setting that aside, the rest of the offensive line actually looks kind of fine, to be honest. They added some, like, they quietly made some, like, decent additions um, during the offseason. And, yeah, I think Baker's going to be better. I don't know. It's just, it's, what's this picking at 26? Why'd you go, whoa? This is not a crazy pick well, at all at 26. It's it's not a pick, at, but you said you wanted to pick them earlier and you forgot. Well, like, that I meant, like, I 24. <laughs> Oh, okay. I like 13. <laughs> All right, fine. Who's the great team you're picking next? Uh, I mean, I I, I guess I'm going to pick Cleveland here. Mm. Like, mm. I don't. I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I morally object Ooh. to this pick. If they take, if they actually pick up Jimmy, though, this is an excellent pick. I guess that's, that's the thing. Yeah, set aside the like, Watson of it all. Let's just focus on these first eleven games. Um, if they don't trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they're it's gonna be a real struggle based on what we've seen from Jacoby Brissett. For you, know, he's played a lot of football at this point. But if they do add Jimmy Garoppolo, this is actually a pretty good football team. At this point, I'll take a flyer on the rest of that roster, and like you said, that potential for them to go ahead for something as opposed to what we've got left because we are scraping the yeah. bottom, baby. It's also a good defense. I don't think they're going to be good against the run, but in terms of the pass defense, I mean, the secondary oh. is freaking sick. 
I mean, it, I I will say too, and this isn't just the Notre Dame homer in me. Jeremiah Wusnikormoa's lived up to a completely. I thought he was going to have more issues because he really is kind of undersized and, and yeah. keeping weight on has at times been an issue, but he's just so quick and puts you in such a bind. Do you think so he's fun? No, Kobe Dean, not exactly the same kind of player, but do you think he could have a, a similar, he could play, have like a similar rookie season in Philadelphia? Who, by the way, I was talking about this with Aaron, is totally healthy. What the hell happened during the draft? He's playing. It is so weird. It's, Mina, it's bizarre. And that's one of those where I'd say physical skill set wise, he's not as fast or as sudden or even close as Jeremiah, but like all the, it's just a damn good football player. Like you don't have to think about it. So who's the, uh, TJ Edwards, the linebacker, the Eagles half from out of Wisconsin, same sort of mold where really physical heady player that came from a defense with incredible pedigree, like what Jim Leonard and that defensive identity have been at Wisconsin is I mean, if Georgia hadn't been the greatest thing ever, we'd have talked a lot more about like Wisconsin's defense in general. And mm. he's a product of that tree. Like, I think very similar guys as far as you got value on dudes with incredible pedigree from really smart, high level defenses, who I think is absolutely going to be a factor for that Eagles team. Absolutely. Okay. We got five teams left. I'm going to remind people who they are the Houston Texans, the Chicago Bears, the Atlanta Falcons. The New York Jets and the New York Giants. Man, what a time to be a New York football fan. Yikes. I am going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh. I think both Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter looked really nice in this preseason. And, you know, with Mariota, it's like health is the question. But if he gets hurt, I actually think Ritter can come in and play reasonably well. I like the skill players, the offensive line is bad, but I think they brought in the kinds of quarterbacks who can help with that a little bit. I think both those quarterbacks fit really well with Arthur Smith. I think this defense can be awful. <laughs> but, mm, yeah. but we were talking about the 28th pick. And yeah, I like them more than the other teams. More than fair? More than fair. I. Uh, God, because I'm really staring at a whole lot of stuff that I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I think I've got too much of the AFC South already. If I'm keeping score the right way here, I've got Tennessee and the Colts. So I guess I don't have you have the Jags too. Oh yeah, no, I've got way too much of that. Way too much of that nonsense. Um, oh. God, this all like I'm just gonna. I'm just going to plug my nose and do it. I'll take the Jets just because they're quarterback. Even though that quarterback is not going to play football at first slash. I mean, what? He's going to be out, what, two not, not weeks? That long, not that long. Yeah. yeah Boy, I you mean, know who looked rough. In pre- I know. We're, again, sorry, folks, that we keep talking about preseason football. Mike White. Good Lord. Yeah, no. Woof, woof. White, White Mike had his moment. Like, that guy's already a made man. Yeah, so. that I, I, that was a good Zach Wilson, you know, little booster shaft for him. Because um, yep. last year, remember As we, we overanalyzed the, like, six plays that Zach Wilson played this preseason before mm-hmm. he got hurt, too. Um, yeah. Uh, Jets have a hard schedule. That's what I don't like about them. But uh, I mean, I don't like a lot of things about them, but at this point... <laughs> I like the defensive front. 
They should be good. I like how we're like challenging each other to say one nice thing. I like the defensive front. I think the run game could be good too. I've said this before. I don't think that having Dwayne Brown and George Fant at tackle is fine. Um, I liked what Michael Fleur did at the end of last season. So, you know, it's fine. All right. I'm up next. I'll take the fourth team in the ASC South. I will take the Houston Texans here. Um, Got a good look at them, actually. Uh, first of all, Davis Mills is like huge. I don't know what his height is, but he looks enormous and close up and his neck actually looks normal in real life. I think it's one of those, it's like an optical illusion. Um, there's a lot of fun young players on this team. Uh, Damian Pierce, who I profess my love for him. So, so locked in. He didn't even start in preseason week two shaking my damn head. Lovey Smith depriving me of that. But, um, you know, you had Stingley jr. Um, I think uh, up front, Jonathan Greener is decent. They bring in like some, a bunch of adults in there. I mean, the, the team is built in kind of like an odd fashion because they have all these like veterans on short-term contracts. And it's like, okay, what are you trying to do? But the reality is it probably means they're going to win some games having Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. You know what I mean? Like uh, they're, they're uh, I think just in a better position to win games than some of these really, really bad, other bad teams. And they also have the third easiest schedule in the NFL. So, by, definitely by me. yeah i yeah no that was I, I think that was a team that while the house was burning down around them surprised a lot of people last year and i always think that's a kind of good thing to keep in mind heading into a season where like you said they they have now got something that feels a little bit more like stability so not a bad pick not a bad pick um shoot oh wait this is it yeah no I, this I, is it we're down i, we're I miscounted okay no, it's the Giants and that's it, right? The Giants and the Bears. Oh, the Bears. Oh, right. Sorry, my bad. Okay, so I yeah. did count correctly for once. Okay. I've actually been keeping track this year, unlike previous years. I've been writing them down so that Dan hasn't had to jump in and be like, oh, actually. Okay. The Bears and the Giants. I know who I would take. Who will you take? I am. Well, I don't know. I don't know who you would take at this point because, man, I have major questions everywhere here, but I'm going to take the Giants. I would take the Bears, but well, you get to. I hear you on the Giants. It's I, tough. I mean, I don't hear me on the Giants. Like, I'm happy. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau's not lost for the season, so we have hopes of seeing that play out in real time for them offensively. I think quietly one of the big stories of this camp from what I've seen, you know, tweeted about and watched a little bit of. Like, I checked out some of them because I like watching the rookies. Andrew Thomas seems to be coming into form on that left side of the offensive line. Like yeah. he may actually be what they drafted. They, you know, kind of went redundant in some spots along the receiver core, like having Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson in the same room. You know, they've got a lot of slot bodied guys in here, but uh, yeah, uh, I just, from what I've seen so far, the Bears, I am very worried about their ability to protect Justin Fields long enough for anything good to happen. Like, they're going max protect in the preseason. I know, and, and it's still not still going like well. I know. Oh, my God. I know. And the second, although, what's the latest of Jacon? But I mean, the team. He's hurt. That sucks. I was like, wow, they got a fun young player. Immediately gets hurt. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the team I just picked is not even sure they want to start their quarterback that's finishing out his rookie contract. So, he, so in the um, last game, he looked fine. I think it's funny because they're so bad that even if he does play all right, they're probably going to move on from him because they're going to have such a high draft pick. Yep. Poor Daniel Jones. He really has had just 
the worst go of it. I mean, well, Justin Fields like stares intensely at him. Um, well, I was going to say, I was say uh, Sam Darnold's looking up from Carolina like, um, well. Hello, hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I, I, You could really pick either of these teams. Um, well, I get the last pick, so I end up with the Bears and Justin Fields. I think for this to go better than where we're picking – um, they would need to not trade Robert Quinn or Roquan Smith. Um, if they don't trade them, you know, like the front seven is relatively stable. Um, nope. You have some other kind of like decent role players there. But the, off- the offensive line is just rough. Yeah. It's, yeah, not not great. Allen Robinson finally got freed, though. Very happy for him. Mm-hmm. I, hope ever- I hope he gets everything he ever wanted in Los Angeles because – that felt like it was going to get, I don't know, like what would you, from what you saw of Allen Robinson seems like he's going to be a pretty solid red zone addition to that team. Like AJ green got out of Cincinnati too, too late in my mind. Allen mm. Robinson may be able to get some good years out of him before, uh, before it's all said and done. Do people say that about you after you moved to Bob, moved to Los Angeles? He got out. <laughs> so. He still got a lot of good years left. <laughs> he got out just in time. Go be free. Um, no, he looks great. Obviously, yeah, the red zone stuff. You know, they they haven't really had like a receiver like that. Um, and all the noise out of Rams camp is that they want to use him not just at they don't want to just line him up outside and you know throw to him in the at the goal line. They want to do other stuff with him and that he's uh, you know he's a very good route runner, so that's not terribly surprising. But obviously, needs a bit of a bounce back season from last year. And with that, we wrap up the draft, Woo! Dan. Please post the results somewhere so that I can share them online um, for people to uh, decide who won, who really won. Maybe I'll throw up a poll. We'll see about that. And they can play along with their friends, find someone out there and try and keep score with. I think we had a few people do that last year, went out there and drafted and played along with. So we're growing growing the game. Feel free to use my uh, foolproof scoring system, by the way. (laughs) I should should copyright that. Huh? As always. Five questions. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Four questions for from me. One from Lenny. Mike, are you ready? I am ready as ever. I actually just I just got to see Lenny recently, and we had a great time. So I hope he brings that same kindness to this. Yeah, that went well. Um, <laughs> question number one. I'm just going to read you a stat, and I want you to tell me um, on a scale of one through ten. Or no, actually, forget that. I'm always trying to do one through tens. Just give me one word for your reaction to this stat. It comes from our buddy Nate Tice. Stat. Ben Roethlisberger and Justin Herbert both had the same percentage of pass attempts travel 20 or more air yards in 2021. Appalled. Disgusting. Like. Sick. I mean. uh, what What are we doing here, man? This is. They they call it the darkest timeline. What do you what, what what? How would you describe this? I mean, it's just you know you know how I describe this. Joe Lombardi, Joe, figure it out. Take the cuffs off our sweet sweet long haired son. We already had to live through him going with a buzz cut. We don't need another year of you trying to make him statistically Ben Roethlisberger. Please for the love. Can of I God. say this though? Justin Herbert is like content, not content, but like he is the king of not forcing it downfield. Like he will take what's given to him, which is interesting, right? It's like, um, you know, having a, a Lamborghini. This would be me if I had a Lamborghini, but I would be the person who would still drive it to the speed limit on the highway. Like I am Justin Herbert in this analogy. I am having the best time trying to picture you driving a Lamborghini. 
<laughs> just white knuckled the entire because yeah, I, I would be doing the same thing which is i'd be so afraid of crashing how, something how, that i should you say this like i didn't dominate our go-kart race a few years ago for the katie nolan show you kidding me i was flying around that thing flying I, for, I forget that you've got nerd wallet money now, too, so you can go out here and ball like that. We we did two races, and I won them both. You, you forget. I mean, forget. listen, I wasn't, I wasn't there, so that's why you Oh, won. you weren't there. Right. Yeah, and then I Gary cheated. Yeah, anyways, the whole thing. All right. <laughs> uh, tweet. Another tweet. The NFL PA put this out, and it made me laugh, <laughs> which is um, introducing dot, dot, dot. The guys who tweet a lot. Our influencer hot list round up the players. The way they put it was created the most content, but it's just the guys who have tweeted the most. Number one, Jordan Lewis. Shocker. Didn't know that. Number two, Cameron Jordan. Makes sense. Number three, Adrian Colbert. Didn't know that. Number four, Johnny Stanton. Awesome follow. Fullback for the Browns. Five. Uh, it's, it's smaller. One second. I have to maximize it. Antonio Williams. And then six. Oh, no, I skipped ahead. This is 9 and 10. We, this is their fault. It was confusing formatting. I just wanted to get to Marlon Humphrey at 10. All right. Who's an yes. elite poster. Um, would you be... My question is, if your employer tweeted about how, how much you tweet, would you think it's good or bad? <laughs> I'd think it's... In this case, it's good. In my case, probably bad. And Mina, it brings me back to a moment where one day when I was on radio still at ESPN, we had you on and our producers dug up and found out how much you and I tweeted. And I want to say the numbers were in the 80,000s and I hated myself yeah. that day. You had more than me, I think. But yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, you don't want it. You don't hear that. By the way, speaking of Johnny Stanton, he once actually uh, invited me to uh, sit in on a game of Dungeons and Dragons that him, Wyatt, Te Wyatt Teller, and Miles Garrett play during the season. Incredible. Yeah, he's a they're big. They're a big D and D team. Oh, Browns, I want to like you. All right, question number three. Right now, who is your pick to pick to win MVP? Ooh, man. You know what? I hadn't thought critically about this in a while. I don't think we're going to get an Aaron Rodgers pre three feet. No. I think we can we can safely put that to bed. <sighs> Cancel culture strikes again. Yeah, I know. It just it gets everyone here. Silence. He's, silence. He is the fourth favorite. I'm looking at the Vegas odds right now, though. I would say if someone's primed to do it for everything we've talked about, like I could see this being a Josh Allen MVP season. Well, he is the betting favorite. So. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I say that. Um, I, I swear, I haven't looked at that list. And as someone that works for a gambling company, that's probably not the best endorsement of my skill set. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, if if he doesn't have enough votes stolen from him by their punter, then he should be in good shape. I like Lamar Jackson at plus two thousand. He's the eleventh quarterback on this list. Uh, you got to go really far. Trey Lance is a feisty, feisty pick. Baker, Tom Brady, I didn't realize, number two on number the two. I'm seeing here. That makes sense, though. Because he kind of could have won last year. Oh, he's number three on the ones I'm looking at behind Magic Mahomes. Um, Mitchell Trubisky above Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston. Interesting. Interesting. The disrespect. What in the world? Where is... Drew, D-R-E-W-L-O-C. It's not coming up. <laughs> All right. Does not compute. Question four. 
content recommendation, something you're reading, listening to, enjoying? Oh, um, easy one. Everyone should watch Shorzy on Hulu. Oh, it's, it's about like the hockey team, a, right? Yeah. So it's a spinoff. So I actually did this in reverse. I just started watching Letterkenny, which is where the character Shorzy comes from. He's on the show. He's part of a hockey player there. But Shorzy is about a like minor league senior men's team uh, in a small town and their quest to save the team. And if anyone has ever spent extended time around hockey players or Canadians, everything about this will sing. It's like a rich tapestry of bleep talking. And it, it's got some like really endearing, heartfelt moments. It's super digestible. It's like six 20-minute episodes. I did it in a night and it is an absolute <laughs> joy. It's so insanely quotable. And yeah, I just I think everyone will love it. I think it's like a universal solvent type show. So I'm gonna be a super normie and say I love the first episode of House of the Dragon. It was so good. It's just the it, it I was saying this to my other group chats. It felt a little bit like watching a cover band play your favorite song a little yep. bit, but I loved how comprehensible it was. Like when I was reading all the like, there's everything you need to know to watch House of the Dragon. 20 people have the same name. I was like, oh God, <laughs> this again. But watching it because it's just one family, it is really easy to follow. Yeah. So the thing I read that was interesting about this, and I don't think it's a spoiler because it's out there is, yeah, that was the focus of this series is going to be on comparatively fewer characters, but it's going to take place across what I think is like a couple hunt, like, right around a hundred years. Like there's mm. going to be massive jumps in time, but I'm with you. I'm already struggling with the names, which is great. But I thought like exposition wise, it did a lot of heavy lifting without it feeling very heavy in the first episode, if that makes sense. Right. Like they, yeah. they connected it back to game of Thrones, which is what you needed to do. Boring. We see how it fits well into the universe, but mm. it didn't feel forced. It was great. Actors are all really great. The dude who plays uh, Damon to me is kind of like the early breakout star we we're just like oh this is this feels a little bit different like we haven't really seen this kind of character on game of thrones a little bit he's got a little bit of brawn maybe in him a little bit of uh, he's got a little like brawn and then like Tyrion mix yeah, mostly because he ends up yeah. in a brothel in episode one <laughs> when he's giving his whole speech um the air for a day speech which i'm really bummed i haven't had a chance to do an air for the, a day joke um we were talking about this i was waiting for uh, when uh Drew Locke was this QB one and then had COVID. I was like, air for a day, but um, it felt tasteless. And here I am saying it on the podcast. Dan, edit, edit that out. <laughs> edit that out. Or you can keep it in. He's fine. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, uh, but when he was giving that speech and there was like this couple that had to pause mid coitus or whatever, just to listen. I was laughing. I was like, oh, I forgot how funny Game of Thrones could be. Like it is a, a funny show. So unintentionally funny. I'm glad I wasn't. I'm sure I wasn't the only one to notice that. But that really was just perfect scene setting. Oh, you got <laughs> I also loved it because like, you know, people on these shows, they give so many speeches. Not everyone is like you constantly are like, oh, God, another one. Right. Like, you know, there's got to be some people in Westeros who are just like. So th to that extent, did you think Jamal Williams speech on Hard Knocks was too long when he broke it down in the huddle? How dare you? How I'm just dare you. I, 
I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it might elicit the same response as a long Westerosian speech. I was fired up, but I could see how some people thought maybe it went on like 45 seconds too long. All right. Last question, as always, (laughs) comes from Lenny. Lenny is an avid listener to Gojo, which you guys should check out. I probably should have mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Sorry. I have recommended it, though, as a content recommendation. So just being a good friend. Um, No big deal. Um, it is excellent. It is your daily podcast. You can find it everywhere, right? Everywhere. Just search Gojo. Um, yep, I re- check out Gojo. We're on YouTube now too. Ooh, I love the variety of guests. It's always interesting to hear like different voices who are experts on different topics. It's just really like fun. Um, and so you have a really nice dynamic with your number two, Brandon, Brandon Newman. This is that full name, right? Newman. Um, but Lenny just wants to know, how does Brandon feel knowing that he, a dog, has his name on my podcast and Brandon can't even get his name on Gojo? How do you feel, actually, is what he means to ask. <laughs> I have no comment at this time, but uh, needless to say, it's in the works and being properly shamed mm. by a dog on this front. Mm. He joins, uh, I think, a groundswell of internet commenters who have had that same thought. Really? Here, so mm. maybe he's, bar- maybe he's, Mina might be barking up the right tree. <laughs> <laughs>